1: Hi again, everyone. It's Raj Geary with the Wrestling Inc. podcast with the special post NXT Takeover podcast. Uh, we usually don't do them after, after the takeovers, but we're going to start doing them. So, uh, this is the first one. And I'd like to welcome Dennis Farrell, um, who does the weekly podcast with Petey Williams. And uh, I'd like to introduce Josh Eisenberg. Guys, how are you doing? I'm great, Good, Raj. Man. How's it going? Good. Good. And how about you, Dennis? Did I did I just jack up your last name?
2: No, you got it right, man. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm doing good. I'm excited for this paper. This was a great pay-per-view. I grew up a WCW guy, so this was really exciting for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. This was, you know, I gotta say, I just feel like the the NXT Takeover events are just consistently the best shows that WWE has. They are they're just the perfect length at two and a half hours. And they're perfectly booked, and I just thought this was a, a great show. Josh. I thought it was
0: a great show as well, because I think when you look at NXT, you see all these young guys that we haven't seen on you know, NXT takeover events like Lars Sullivan, uh, like the Velveteen Dream. So no matter where you see NXT going, they always reload. They don't you know, rebuild, they reload with talent. So I think that's the biggest thing to take out of this is the winners of these matches tonight are the future. They're not guys that have been there for one or two years. There's a bright future in NXT Raj Dennis, I think as you saw this tonight, a lot of fans love to see uh, you know young guys getting the opportunity.
1: right and Velveteen Dream man that guy I think that guy's a superstar in the making.
0: I think so too. I mean he had the tights uh, similar to Rick Root I think everybody loved immediately. Um, but this guy is an athlete, you know Patrick Clark obviously is his real name. And um, he came into uh, Topanoff, I believe. Yeah. And um, he's been a guy, uh, in Baltimore, Maryland raised, and a guy who's been in the independent circuit for a few years. I've seen a couple of his indie matches a couple of years ago. But this is a guy that has the athletic ability, but they finally found a gimmick for him, a more sultry, a more intriguing kind of Tyler Breeze for NXT. Um, you know, what do you guys think about, obviously, you saw him lose, but I think this is the best loss of the night.
1: Yeah, this was uh, I thought this was one of those cases where both guys got over, you know, and the way they did it at the end with Alistair Black finally saying his name. I, I just thought this was one of those cases where even in losing, he became a bigger star by far
2: from from opening to end. This was the best match of the night for me, and I was more excited for war games going in than anything else uh the velveteen dream wowed me i became an instant fan of his i thought leading up to this match he did a good job i wasn't quite sold i didn't know if if this match was going to work i I know alistair black is one of those guys that can almost like aj styles make anybody else look good but velveteen didn't need that and you could tell in this match
0: yeah, I think with Velveteen, I mean, you saw his um, energy and his emotion and him really tap into what you know we've tried to see over a few weeks, but they didn't give us the whole plethora of what he could be. So he sold the match based on storytelling, not necessarily um, move to move to move like you saw, you know, for instance, in War Games, which was a great match nonetheless. But this was more intimate in a strange way where we weren't sure how to feel about Velveteen Dream, but he pulled out more emotion from Aleister Black than I think we've seen in any match, and Black's a great competitor. We saw Velveteen Dream pull out even more of Aleister Black's personality.
1: Yeah, so let's start at the top here. Um, so the show opened up with Cassius Ono versus Lars Sullivan, pretty much just a glorified squash match, uh, just a showcase for Sullivan, um, but it was still, uh, it was good for what it was. It wasn't boring, it wasn't bad. Um, and it made all the sense in the world. It's clear they got big plans for Lars. I see I see them giving him kind of like a Baron Corbin push on the main roster. Uh, guys, what uh, Dennis, what did you think of this match?
2: You know, I didn't know what to make. The opening match, you're just kind of getting settled in. You're getting the drink. You're You got your popcorn ready. And this was one of those quick bang-bang matches that it didn't go too long. It was the perfect length. And I left thinking... I was once again wowed by Lars because there were a few times he kind of worked like a small man in this match, and he wasn't. So uh, another match where I left going, and I know I'm going to sound fanboyish, and the people are going to jump all over me, but I can't find a negative on this whole pay-per-view card at all to complain about. And even with this opening squash match, there was nothing negative about it.
1: The only negative I had was uh, Mauro Arnala's Mama Mia it got on my nerves a little bit, <laughs> but that <laughs> did was you count it.
0: How many, did you count how many times he actually said that tonight?
1: It's like three, right?
0: I thought three or four, yeah. It was early and often. <laughs> but um, <laughs> looking at Lars Sullivan and Cash Asono, I think it's just um, a big difference on a Vince McMahon guy compared to a guy that's having his second stint in NXT. I, I don't discredit Castro Soto in the ring. I think he's a great performer in the ring. His look isn't appealing to I think eighty five ninety percent. But you see a guy like Lars Sullivan. I mean, his quads are bigger than my entire body, and I'm not the smallest cat in the bag. So it's just it's interesting to see what Lars Sullivan can do, especially considering Castro is probably the same size as him, but the the vast difference of what their body looks like um, really shows you that Lars Sullivan's in for a big push in the
1: next. How big is Lars? Let's take a look here, because. And he just looks uh, like I just think Brock when I see him. Um,
0: I think so too. He just looks like a naturally big guy. Yeah,
1: his his six three, three hundred three pounds is what he's built at. Um, yeah, he's huge, and uh, and he's got it. I mean, I think his growling at times can be a little cheesy. Uh, you know, maybe you could work on that, but other than that, I mean, this guy is he's a future star. You know, he's someone that WWE is going to push push hard.
2: Can can I maybe utter the most nerdiest words that maybe ever uttered on this podcast? I if came. Glenn in- has gone to Broadway musicals. I'm sure he, I'm sure you. You can't beat that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna push him to the limit. Then I came into this pay per view already hating Casher Sono because on WWE 2K18 uh, in career mode I had to go up against him and I had to reset the game like 20 times. So I already hated Casher Sono <laughs> to begin with. But uh, I I thought he did an okay job tonight, but this was Lars all over. It was great. (laughs) Well, Well, I mean, everyone has their reasons, I guess.
0: Trump the dirty (laughs) comment, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Cassius, uh, you know, I think – I mean, the dude can go in the ring, but I think it's clear kind of where they have him pegged. I I would – I don't see – him getting the main roster, and if he does, it's it's not going to be pretty. So, uh, but he's such a talented dude that I wish uh, I wish they do more with him. Maybe put him in a tag team. I don't know, this is something with Luke Harper because the, it, Harper and Rowan is kind of a you know a dead gimmick as it is. So anyway, well, I
0: think they dropped the ball on him whenever they had that hot feud with Hideo Itami, and they didn't really cash in at NXT Takeover. They ended right. up putting Alistair Black versus the which was very surprising to me. Um, not necessarily. You know, not saying that Alister Black didn't deserve that opportunity, but you had Hideo Itami and Kajis Ono. This like friendship feud that was a lot better than most things that they had right at, at the time. Yeah. So it was surprising to me that they didn't go full out with that, maybe giving Ono the win. Um, especially since we haven't seen Hideo Itami since since
1: then. Yeah, yeah, and he, he wasn't on the card tonight. Um, so we went to a break. When we got back, we saw Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, Mark Andrews, and Wolfgang at ringside, um, and then. They had the different uh, segments throughout the night where William Regal walks in and starts talking with each team backstage. And uh, then we went to Velveteen Dream with versus Aleister Black. And we talked a lot about Velveteen Dream. I think the dude's a superstar um, if he doesn't make his gimmick too cheesy. But he stands out. He's different. Tyler Breeze, I thought, is too... Um, I always felt he was too too weak to come across as a, as a top star. Whereas Velveteen Dream doesn't... Once he's in the ring, he doesn't come across as weak. And uh, I, I think that makes a difference. But, you know, we got to talk about Aleister Black, too. The dude is awesome. And he's having these, you know, show stealing matches on all these pay per view events, you know, like we, he had with Hideo Tommy last time. I think uh, this guy's ready. Uh, Josh? Right.
0: I think he's ready. I think um, when you do the comparisons to Pat, uh, to uh, Velveteen Dream and Tyler Breeze, I mean, Velveteen Dream looks like a star because he's six three. He's you know shredded from top to bottom. And then you see Tyler Breeze, who's a great performer nonetheless. But I agree, he wasn't as extremely physical and aggressive in the ring. He got off more in his flash than anything else. Dream's a guy who can tap into his his anger, his his potential, and his character. Um, Tyler Breeze only gimmick, but the gimmick didn't translate in the ring based on moves. Elva Team Dream can make that snap judgment and snap reaction to go from this pretty mysterious prince-looking guy and odd personality to somebody that actually is a ground-and-pound techni- technical wrestler. I think he has a huge future in NXT.
2: Yeah. Uh, Dennis? See- I disagree about Alistair Black being being ready. I think he is ready, but you look where the main roster is, and it, maybe even 205 if he ends up there. I think it's a disaster waiting to happen because there may not be anything for him to do up there. I hate to see someone like him end up on 205 Live. He, he could pass as an Intercontinental Champion. He could pass as a United States Champion. But if they're not serious about putting him into either one of those pictures... He just becomes wasted talent, where on NXT right now, he's the big fish in the little pond, and I, I like him there until they can make the changes on the big roster to really enhance his talent. But you're right, there's there's nothing negative about him. Yeah, and
1: I, in my guess, I, I think they should go with him and you know, Andrade Cien Almas. I, I mean, usually they go with the rematch after, um, but I said this after the last takeover um, with Drew, I'm like, when Ben sees Drew and, and just how he looks now, um, he's huge. Uh, he's obviously been working out. He's in tremendous shape With and with the beard. He, he looks tough and everything now. Like, he's not going to be long for NXT. He's going to be get, getting called to the main roster, and I think we're seeing that, uh, you know, with what happened later. Um, but Aleister Black uh, in the main event picture, I think, I think fits. But, you know, to Dennis, your point. I always forget, like that, how small he is because of the guys he's been working with. He's been working with smaller guys, so he doesn't. You never see that he's not really a big guy. He comes. He comes across as a bigger guy with the way he works. But um, yeah, I mean that definitely. With we've seen how smaller guys have to have more struggles on the main roster than uh, than say a Lars Sullivan.
0: I think the thing that uh, that Alistair Black has is he, he's you know, he might be just six foot and under two hundred and ten pounds. But um, his striking abilities, I mean, he looks bigger and stronger than a Finn Balor, say, because Finn Balor has this small figure to him. Aleister Black's not chiseled, not cut like guys like Finn Balor is or Velveteen Dream. He just looks like a physical guy that could just brawl you in a bar. You know, maybe it's the tattoos. Maybe it's his ability to strike top to bottom on on, on the opponents. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they transition Aleister Black because I look at him like a guy like Shinsuke Nakamura in terms of build, in terms of striking abilities in the ring. He relies a lot on his kicking. He relies on a lot on his timing to get over, and we've seen Nakamura have some struggles on the main roster. Um, Aleister Black, though, has a, has a voice, and Nakamura doesn't have that voice, so that could be the ultimate deciding factor on if he – would ever get over the main roster is the fact that he can talk and connect he hasn't done much of it but whatever he's done has connected with the nxt universe
1: yeah and dennis to your point uh about his size and and not being called to the main roster because of it well, he's kind of always going to have that right regardless of when he does get called up i mean that's always going to be the issue he's always under six feet tall so it's like do you never do it then because of, uh, because of his size
2: it, it, you might look at Neville's roadmap on the main roster and might predict that that might be the same struggle. I, You look at Neville, and when he turned heel, he had he had everything going for him that he deserved better than 205 Live on, on the main roster. I mean, he he made me believe that he could be a secondary champion on the main roster. So I kind of feel like that's what Aleister Black will have to do is – He's got that attitude. He's got that Neville attitude. It's just, can he make everybody else buy in on him? And at United States maybe intercontinental champion. I think that would be awesome to see him in the Miz because Miz is not well defined. He doesn't have a well chiseled body, so I think you could pass that off as. But you know, you'd have to you know maybe match him up against guys that aren't as chiseled on that intercontinental you know moving forward. Yeah,
1: that's where I think WWE has dropped the ball with the cruiserweight title as you know, where they make it kind of this almost like a comedy title. All the segments are comedy. You know, the main segment last week was who's gonna get, you know, put in the cake on last week's yeah. episode of two oh five live. That's your title program. Um, but if you just had it where you had serious stuff and and you know, guys like Aleister Black and and Neville and and you know, where they've got to cut promos and really get their personalities over. Cause there's a lot of talented guys that are under, you know, 220 pounds uh that that you could use and if if given the right opportunity and not treat them like they're less because they are smaller.
2: Let me let me throw this out to both you guys, because PD and I had this question asked to us on our podcast from a fan, and I thought this would be perfect to ask you guys. Would 205 Live succeed more if it was uh, hooked on to NXT? You know, 205 Live was based in Orlando and at the center and all that stuff. And you would see a 205 Live pay-per-view kind of like NXT. And maybe after NXT, 205 Live comes on. Something like that, as opposed to just kind of being an afterthought on the main roster.
0: I I think that's absolutely what they should have done because that's how these guys got over on the Cruiserweight Classic is in that small, intimate crowd at Full Sail. That's pretty Mm -hmm. much how this show came about. I think that that's what I thought would have happened immediately for the Cruiserweight division and maybe spotlighted a little bit either before the Raw tapings or, you know, maybe before the SmackDown tapings. Um, I just, it's interesting to me to see them utilize these guys in such a fluctuated way. I mean, you had Neville. Really dominate the division and then have a new opponent every single month. So the dominance of Neville benefited Neville, but then you kind of saw everybody else all down the wayside. Well, there wasn't one other guy that was even close to Neville for the longest time. Maybe in Austin Aries, it would definitely have benefited if they continued to keep it at Full Sail University like they did with the cruiserweight class.
1: Absolutely, that's what I've been saying um, on the podcast. Is if they would just have added an extra day of tapings when they do the NXT tapings. For 205 Live, you do it at, you know, the same kind of setting that you had for the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament. Um, and then I think you got something because, you know, the atmosphere, everything would fit. Doing it after SmackDown with a dead crowd and people leaving and no one responds to anything uh, just is not working. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because I think a lot of the guys uh, have that size issue. I mean, even, you know, I, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Bobby Fish, Adam Cole. Uh, we'll see, you know, how, how, how they're treated on the main roster, I guess. They get there. Um, so anyway, uh, f- fantastic match. You know, Dream doing the doing a lot of Rick Rude stuff the, with the hips, the Rude Awakening. Um, at the end, uh, Black hit a big boot to the face. Uh, Dream, Dream hit a big super kick. Black hit a big knee to the face to drop Dream. Dream started talking some trash, but Black nailed him with the black mask for the pin. As we said, in my opinion, this was the best match of the night.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I wasn't bothered at all by the Rick Rude stuff. I thought that only enhanced his character. Uh, Rick Rude was a little bit of a flamboyant character back in the day if you really watch his stuff. So I think that only enhanced him in the moment of the night was when they both kind of stole each other's moves. Where you saw yeah. Velveteen do the sit down and then you saw Alistair do that crawl. I I you know what? I marked out for it. I'm not even gonna lie, I thought that was probably like the one moment of the night where I went, that was great.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because you see a lot of people mimic guys like Macho Man and Shawn Michaels, but there might not have been a more controversial and developed character. Than Rick Rude at his prime. I mean, this guy was so good. He just never was that main event guy like Macho Man or Shawn Michaels that you say, "Oh, he's one of the best of all time." So it's refreshing to see that because you see so many other guys be mimicked over and over and over again, but you rarely see Rick Rude do that or somebody yeah. do that.
1: Yeah, it, it it's weird. It felt fresh, even though you know it, it, yeah. it because he was using it, but he had his own character. It, it's his character is still very different, so he's using the mannerisms. And it felt like uh, he just managed to blend it. Really well, to where it didn't feel corny. Um, it didn't feel like he was ripping someone off. He he felt like he was paying tribute, but making it his own. Sure. Um, after that, we had the fatal four away for the vacant NXT Women's Title: Nikki Cross, Ky- Kyrie Sane, Peyton Royce, Ember Moon. Uh, another really good match. I gotta say, the Kyrie Sane that pirate thing. I just I don't get it. Uh, I, I I mean I've been to Japan. I've seen like the cl- commercials and they're a little wacky so i don't know if if it's something with that but it it to me it's like if roman reigns dressed up like a cowboy going to the ring (laughs) and then that was it then you know he got rid of the cowboy gear and you know was himself so i don't know it's just i don't get it uh did you guys just go go, go ahead josh
0: I was just going to say that Fatal 4-Way match um, and, and obviously giving the nod to Ember Moon and then Asuka coming in with the championship. My question to you guys was, You know, Ember Moon lost and lost and lost in pay-per-views and now they give her the championship. I just kind of felt like it, it devalued her as a champion now because it took her to not face Asuka to win the title. Do you think it would have benefited more for her to actually beat Asuka and then potentially defend it against somebody on this pay-per-view?
1: You know, I thought that too. I thought like by making a point how she couldn't beat Asuka... And then you have Oscar giving her the belt at the end. It's like, she's not the top lady, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you would have had Peyton Royce win it and then, you know, like steal a victory and Ember moon, and then that's your next feud is Peyton Royce and Ember moon. Uh, and have Ember moon beat Peyton for the title. Then you don't have that. I don't know. I think by having Oscar there and, and bringing that up, it just felt like uh, not the best person who wanted the belt, even though she is, I think she is the best wrestler in NXT right now.
2: Uh, best female wrestler. I'll say it, it did not bother me so much because Asuka is uh, a bona fide Hall of Famer come up. She was, you know, the light years ahead of everybody else in that ring. We knew it. The wrestlers knew it. And I don't think it was a a secret. So when Moon won it, I was okay with it because, of course, no one could beat Asuka. That's why she held it for 500 and something days. That's why they allowed her to vacate it and leave with a standing ovation. So, sure, we all know it. It wasn't a secret. Now Amber's the top dog in the company. So I think it was only the right move. You know, she she paid her dues. She was next in line. We all kind of know how it works. And we knew, you know, same thing with Asuka on the main roster. If they book her right, no one can beat her. Maybe Charlotte. And that will be down the line so I, I think that's just an it's natural I was okay with it Derek bringing
1: up in the comment section in, in the chat um, who, who thought that Asuka was gonna attack ember because it almost looked like it with the way they were setting it up like if, if they were both on the main roster that would have been an attack
2: you know <laughs> I, I I thought a little bit I was kind of holding my breath but at the same time I went it did make sense there was no payoff but I, I was waiting for it. Yeah. he's right I
0: like seeing Asuka be that you know aggressive kind of heel because she did that for such a long time in nxt you know she was cheered and cheered because she was so good but she had so many heel characteristics throughout her entire reign towards the end she was basically a heel for four or five months um yeah if it was the main roster i could have easily seen that happen her moon deserves the championship um i just wonder now looking at the other women uh, kairi saying i agree with you raj i think it's an interesting gimmick that I don't think is going to get over it long term for NXT. Um, but Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, I think those are two that they don't necessarily need to win the NXT Women's Championship to get a call up to the main roster and make an impact on the main roster. I think they're the next two in line for that, and there might be one or two more matches or one or two more opportunities that they get. So their gimmicks are so good, kind of like like cool you know, uh, you know, seven or eight years ago where they can get on the main roster and make an impact. I don't think they need to be in the NXT much longer.
1: Yeah, uh, it was weird with Oscar. I, I thought she seemed she seemed older with wearing, you know, just regular street clothes or what, what I don't know what she was wearing. She almost seemed Everybody like uh, like she was her teacher or something out there. So <laughs> it, it was it's kind of odd, but um, a great match um, at the end. Uh, we saw Peyton... You know, Crotch Ember Moon drops uh, Kyrie saying to the floor with a knee. Uh, Peyton ran back in, fought with Cross. Ember Ember came off the top and hit the Eclipse on Peyton and Cross at the same time. Uh, kind of got Nikki Cross more with that. Ember covered Cross and won the title. So the first of two title changes. All the titles changed here tonight um, that were on the line. So uh, yeah, the new NXT Women's Champion, Ember Moon, well deserved. Uh, you know, again I. Wish they wouldn't have kept bringing up the Oscar stuff because I, I think to the TV viewer, it, it, it made her feel like not the, the best. Yeah. Um, Kevin Owens was shown at ringside. He was wearing a Undisputed Era t-shirt. Uh, Samoa Joe was shown at ringside too. Um, yeah, and then, then we went to the NXT title match. I think a lot of people were surprised by this. I, I actually wasn't. Uh, Andrade Cien Almas versus Drew McIntyre. Really good match. I think this was, uh, I thought this was probably Drew McIntyre. I thought this was easily better than McIntyre's match with Bobby Roode uh, at TakeOver, the last TakeOver. And, um, yeah, really, really good match. And uh, you know who I thought was the show stealer in this was um, Zelina Vega. I thought she was awesome. Uh, Josh?
0: Yeah, I think Selena Vega makes Andrade Cien Almas a main eventer. Yeah. And it's easily it's easily shown because she's so good as a mouthpiece, but she shows uh, – you know, I actually compare her to Lita because she, she has that flying ability in the ring. She's a little aggressive, a little edgy. Um, but I am a huge Drew McIntyre fan. I have been ever since he was in WWE, uh, his first stint. Um, but as champion, he's kind of – and I think it's just because it's been a couple of months since we've seen a pay-per-view um, and the way that they've booked it, it's been more about the undisputed era insanity and and office of pain over who he should face for the NXT championship. But I'm okay with this title change because I think Sian Almas has been one of the best performers in NXT in quite some time. He had a great match against Johnny Gargano at NXT to kick off that pay-per-view in Brooklyn. He's always been the guy that's faced the new coming, you know, the, the guy that comes into NXT for the first match. So, um he's definitely been another guy that's paid his dues. It's surprising because the feud and the storyline wasn't extremely developed. They kind of rushed it together in 3 weeks, but um it's going to be more interesting to see how Drew McIntyre is viewed now. I obviously think Drew McIntyre is better as a heel than he is as a face. But CN almas is such a good heel right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm I'm guessing, you know, like I said that at the after the last takeover, I just didn't I didn't think Drew's going to be on the uh, in NXT for too long. He's got the main event look. He he looks, um, he looks like a star. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think as a baby face, he he did he doesn't have that that charisma like that Finn Balor had before. Uh, and and Finn, I think, was the best baby face that NXT has had. And, and and then Nakamura after. So it definitely has been lacking. But he he's he's a superstar, and I I I see him going to the main roster real soon. If not, who knows? Maybe they send him right away. Um, but, yeah, I thought uh, really strong match. Uh, Zelina Vega. I, I, I love that leader reference because that's exactly what I was thinking when I watched it.
2: Uh, Dennis? You know, I, I came into this match not expecting a title change. I really felt like there was no way they were going to put the belt on Alma. And when they did, I was shocked. But I was pleased because I found myself rooting for him at the end. Uh, the packages. If this was your first time watching NXT, that package telling that story felt like it was longer than only three weeks. And it, it really made you kind of care a little bit about what happened. So at the end, when he won that belt, I, I found myself kind of cheering for him. Like, hey, you know what? That Good for him. If he can keep this up, he can be a star. I feel like this is going to be the moment where we find out if he's Going to not be Dolph Ziggler esque, where he's just going to be the setup man all for for everybody else coming into the company. It's good to see them put the belt on him. I I hope he can keep up the momentum and build on his character from this moment. I'm a little worried because that that's a heavy weight to carry carry. But Drew McIntyre scares me on the other side, where we've seen what he can do. He has been an okay champion. He probably he wasn't the worst NXT champion I've seen, but going up to the main roster now, this is, this is, it's really worrying for me because I don't know if he says yet built that, that, that character up to make me care what happens to him on that main roster.
1: Yeah. Um, or they could do, you know, like Bobby Roode was a heel. They brought him in as a face. If They bring him bring him in as a heel. Um, you know, that it, it freshens him up. So,
0: And I think that's a good opportunity for him to come in as a heel because, you know, he's getting cheers, but he's not getting the Shinsuke Nakamura or Finn Balor. or Hell, even a heel Bobby Roode cheer. People know how good he is, but people want to boo him more because he's not that, like you said, that charismatic face. He's just a guy who likes to fight, and the look of him just screams heel, and especially like on SmackDown. I don't think he'd be great on Raw right now because they have so many good heels. But he'd be great on SmackDown because they're lacking, aside from you know Kevin Owens um, and a couple of others, but he he'd fit perfectly on SmackDown right now as a heel. I um,
2: think you're right. That or if you threw him in with the bar, I think he could really fit really well with that group because they oh, just like to fight too.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Someone is saying that okay, so after the so at the end of the match, um, Drew turned almost inside out with a big Claymore kick. Uh, Vega put almost his foot on the bottom rope. Uh, Dr- Drew missed the next Claymore attempt, and he got hung up on the top rope. Drew fell to the apron and clutched. Uh, the fans were chanting C. Almost ended up bringing Drew back in on his head and covered him for the title. Afterwards, uh, officials were checking in on Drew. It looked like he was legitimately banged up. I'm not sure uh, exactly what it is. N- Natalie is saying that uh, Triple H on Facebook Live is saying that drew mcintyre are is injured so um we it, it, it
2: worked you know i didn't see an x throw up but when the official was on you could see him clicking in on his mic a few times reporting back it, it to me i i couldn't tell if it was the groin or if it was the way he was dropped on his head because that was a very inverted angle that he came down on off that ddt so I wouldn't be shocked if it was probably just maybe a concussion, but I, I'm, I'm speculating. We all saw the same thing. None of us really have the inside information yet as everything is, as, as we're hearing is breaking from triple H's mouth.
1: Yeah. It's looking like a, an arm injury actually. Um, oh wow. So we will see. I'm I'm going to try to get more on that. Um, so, um, so yeah, hopefully it's nothing too serious because, uh, you know, it, it definitely seemed like he's main roster bound. Um, and so then we see here sirens going off. I don't know who else thought of Scott Steiner when the si- sirens are going off. And we got a video package for war games. You know, when, when they had the when I read the shark cage idea, um, I remember <laughs> thinking it was it was goofy. But when I saw it, it didn't look bad. I I still think it would be better if they did it Royal Rumble style um, where they just haven't come out. You know, you don't have them sitting there in a shark cage. Just, you know, because I always always thought it was kind of weird with WCW when they did it where they're just sitting around at ringside as well. So if you just haven't come, you know, from the back uh, when it's time. But that being said... I, the, the other rule changes that I was fine with. I thought it worked for this match. And, and this match was, I mean, it was a cluster, but it was awesome. <laughs> Killian Dane doing the coast to coast and uh, the super, superplex off the top of the cage where uh, where um, Roderick Strong superplexed Adam Cole onto everyone where it looked like someone could have gotten seriously injured if they didn't, you know, they didn't catch him right. Uh, yeah, this was. I thought this was great. Um, Josh, I'll, I'll shoot it over to you first.
0: Yeah, I thought this match was everything that everybody wanted it to be, Um, just chaos. And and Eric Young said it best, I think, on NXT a week or two ago. Um, This match gave us a little bit of everybody. Hillian Data obviously, was the one guy that stood out in my mind. But the Authors of Pain continue to be impressive. Um, They're not going to be technical wrestlers for 15, 20-minute matches, but their physical strength kind of really – spotlighted what they can do with guys that are physically you know, superior to them, guys like Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Um, I, I was surprised to see Alexander uh, Alexander Wolf really get busted open. You saw that, and you can tell that he was seriously injured for a bit because he was hanging out at the corner and referees were checking on him. Um, this entire match just screamed to me that they are full 100% in on Adam Cole heading, headlining NXT for the next year. I mean, the crowd loves him. Um, you know, Bobby Fish and Kyle Riley, that could be some great feuds down the road if they eventually split up in 2018. Um, everybody did their part here. I was very pleased with it. The rule changes were fine with me. Um, no top of the cage was perfectly fine with me. Um, this is something that I think fans will enjoy and fans will listen and, and read and, and react to for, for years to come. A great main event.
1: Right. Um, yeah, I thought so too. And you know what? Uh, Dennis, go ahead. Let me get your thoughts first.
2: I'll say this. I was a WCW guy. I grew up on World Championship Wrestling, NWA. I've seen war games on pay per views growing up. It was, I, I got that it wasn't going to be the same as it was for me growing up. I was a little disappointed that there was no top of the cage. Didn't ruin the pay per view. This is just me being nitpicky. You know, it's almost reading the book versus seeing the movie. I, I understand that you can rip me away. There to me, I wish there was the top on the cage, and you could have just done it the original style and had everybody kind of in their own spots around the ring. I would have been all right with that. I'll, I'll, Knee jerk reaction at first, I hated the shark cage. Uh, then I saw it and I thought it wasn't so bad. Maybe Chris Jericho and Enzo Amore really killed shark cages for me, but they they made it work and it wasn't horrible. It, it didn't ruin the match. It didn't take away. I thought the match itself was great. It blew me away because you would never have seen that match on the main roster. You would have not seen half those moves on the main roster. They got away with it. They took every advantage. If NXT gave them an inch, they took a mile. And I I was proud of it. So my small nitpickiness, I, it did not take away from the match. But I thought overall for a, WWE entertainment cage match by far blows away anything we would have seen on the main roster.
1: Yeah. And I think you could just make the cage taller and still have the roof. There is just something with that roof that I just think looks awesome. And I think it's maybe it's nostalgia because yes. someone that's never seen the match probably could care less, but you know, having grown up on war games and seeing like uh Dr. Death, Steve Williams, you know, you know, bench-pressing Terry Gordy into the top of the cage. Yes. Yeah, that Sid Vicious with the powerbomb to Brian Pillman in the cage, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. under the roof. It's just, uh, you know, I guess I think you could do some cool stuff with that too. But um, you know what I was thinking is it would be cool if they could merge War Games, the the match, with Survivor Series because a five-on-five elimination match is kind of it's kind of passe now, you know, there's, they do elimination matches all the time. There's nothing really special about it. There's never really a step, but if you had it in, in a war games cage and modify the rules a little bit where, you know, it's, you know, you have two guys starting, you know, it's five on five, but two guys start and every two minutes, someone comes in, do it every two minutes until all 10 men are in and then do it elimination style, maybe, um, You know, then it would it would would spice it up and make it more interesting because right now it it, you know the the Survivor Series match itself is is kind of nothing.
0: Well, I think I completely agree with you because they have to bring on Triple H and Kurt Angle and John Cena and all these guys to make this match interesting. Um, That's a prime example of, of defending your point. They should do something stipulation wise for that match. It would just make it more entertaining, and I think overall people would care more about it. Um, the Survivor Series pay-per-view, obviously, you know, you see this 5-1-5 elimination match. It's Bragging rights. You know, we had that pay-per-view, which nobody cared about. That's what that is. Um, but to talk a little bit about Dennis's point, I mean, I don't think this match would translate well in the main roster as much as it did in NXT because of the people that they have in NXT, because of the creative freedom that they give these wrestlers in NXT. And the crowd just reacts differently to every single thing in NXT because they realize they're getting what these guys want to do, not what they're scripted to do.
1: Yeah. But I think if you did it, I don't think you should do it for every match, just for the main event. Um, I think the crowd would react on the main roster with the, with if you had the same type of people involved as, you know, you have this year for the five on five, I think it would just, uh, it would just add something that, ne- you know, survivor series needs. Cause like you said, um, Josh, that they really needed to add a bunch of people and bring people back to make this year's as interesting. Um, whereas, the royal rumble you don't have to do that and so can, it's clearly something with the concept is is outdated
2: can i just say the one thing i noticed through this whole pay-per-view and raj we're about the same age we've watched many wcw war game pay-per-views and the one thing this pay-per-view didn't have that old school war game pay-per-views had there wasn't any jump in between ring to ring if you notice during any of the matches they all stayed in one ring. Even the women's match, they were in one ring. They didn't, you know, old school, you'd see them pop over to the next ring and wrestle over there and pop back in. You didn't see any of that, this pay-per-view either.
1: Yeah, I kind of like that though. I I think save that for later. Don't do too much the first time you brought it back, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, down the road because I'm sure they're going to do this again. Um, I think without War Games, this, this takeover was kind of, there was just nothing interesting. And it's one of those shows that it was really good, but going into it, there wasn't much that really piqued your interest, but the war games really, you know, the war games match really made it.
2: I wonder how many WCW guys fans came to watch this pay-per-view just for the war games. Cause I I won't lie that to me, the main selling point was war games in that match. I I might, if, if I wasn't doing this pay-per-view, I might have passed it up to go do something else. I may have played Call of Duty or something. But as a WCW original fan, I made it a point whether I was doing this podcast or not to sit down and watch it because it's nostalgia for me. Josh?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm 30 years old, so I have you guys have just <laughs> a couple of years on me, but I've seen the War Games matches, obviously, with the network and I've you know, I watched pretty much all of them the past week here leading up to Wargame just to prep myself and just to kind of understand the history of it because I wasn't obviously there in living blood watching it. But um, this sold me. This, this stipulation sold me for this pay-per-view. I completely agree. You know, every other feud was good. We knew what we were going to get uh, exciting matches because they never really disappoint. Um, but this was the match that sold the pay-per-view. Um Going forward, I would like to see this be a once-a-year type thing where you know maybe the November pay-per-view before Survivor Series has this. Or if they want to do it for Survivor Series, they have the ability to do that. If they didn't have this war-games pay-per-view, yeah, I might have been out doing something else or watching something else on a Saturday night. But I knew the nostalgia of this. And it's something we haven't seen in 20 years. And I just knew that NXT wasn't going to disappoint even if they altered what the actual match was going to be the original match to now, you just knew that they weren't going to disappoint you. So that definitely a selling point. And the reason why I stayed home and watched this and made sure I joined in with you guys afterwards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of agree. It definitely going in, wasn't the most uh, interesting outside of that, but yeah, um... So, yeah, Mark, uh, Mark, who's MVP on these nights, man, doing the coverage, he's got an article coming up very shortly on Drew McIntyre's injury, so, you know, stay tuned to Um, Yeah, so uh, overall, guys, uh, out of 10, what would you guys give the show?
2: I'll start oh, off, guys.
1: I got to say, Killian Dane was freaking awesome in this match, too. Yes. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, MVP of the night, I think. Yeah, yeah, hit him and... I always have a uh, for some reason, I have a hard time saying Rosita's name <laughs> Vega. But anyway, <laughs> Vega, Vega, and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Killian Day and I thought were just fantastic tonight.
2: I, I'll start off the rankings, guys. I'm gonna give it a solid nine. I could easily have said maybe a nine point five, but I'll say a solid nine. I was happy. I wasn't disappointed. I didn't find myself bored on any matches. Uh, you know, even the break match. It didn't happen for me. I stayed and watched every match every second, and that's kind of how I grade a pay-per-view. I'm giving it a nine.
0: I'm going to go as well with a nine. I think it would have been a nine and a half if we saw more of Sullivan and Ono going back and forth with their physicality because I think those are two guys that look like they could fight, right? But like you said earlier in the night, it seemed more of a glorified squash, you know, not completely one-sided, but you obviously – Knew what the outcome was going to be about 30 seconds into the match. Um, but I'll give it a solid nine. The main event delivered. It gave us the future of NXT. Um, it created new stars while still continuing to establish what they already have on the main roster or the main event level in NXT. Guys like Alistair Black, um, CN Almas was made, Velveteen Dream was made tonight. So they're doing as much as possible to make this one of the deepest NXT rosters that they have in terms of talent. I give it a nine.
1: I, I, I'd say for an NXT show, um, I'd give it a nine. Um, for for me, a true nine would have to be big stars also involved, and and you know like the uh, huge crowd, and all, you know, kind of like everything. But, but from from pure quality standpoint, just like in reunion action, how showing, I'd say a nine. But then with the the stars and everything, and the, I, I'd go eight, eight and a half. Um, but freaking great show! Uh, takeovers are just Always great. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish they could find a way to really turn this into not, you know, Triple H says it's another brand. It, it's not developmental, but it, everyone on there wants to go to their main roster. But it'd be cool if they could make it its own brand uh, that, you know, self-contained. It's not just a stepping stone to get to the main roster and have the show on USA and get rid of that third hour raw, have an hour NXT a week. And, um, and, and, you know, with that extra exposure, maybe you could get there, but, um, yeah, I thought, a uh, really strong stuff, really well booked. Um, yeah, just, it was never bored. It was fantastic. I thought. All right. Um, so since the last podcast we did on Wednesday, uh, James Ellsworth was released. Um, surprised, at how much reaction there was online um so it chose just you know how well he did getting himself over but it definitely did look like after he lost to becky lynch definitely appeared like they were kind of out of ideas for him and you know it, it had been a year he, he signed a deal last year i don't know if they had an option and decided not to renew um but yeah james ellsworth uh james ellsworth gone guys your thoughts uh let's start with you josh
0: uh, yeah, I mean, look you look at James Ellsworth. He's a guy that made nothing out of something. The <laughs> yeah. squash match with Braun Strowman to start and had some odd cult following soon after. Um, I think his stuff with Carmella towards the very end of his run in WWE it was uninteresting to me, um, you know, being put on a leash and having Carmella kind of roll around with him and, and basically control him. Um, not that it wasn't a bad thing, because I think it enhanced Carmella ultimately to being – um, you know, with the Money in the Bank win, obviously that was so controversial to people. Oh my gosh, a man helped a woman win the Money in the Bank briefcase, and um, you know all all that surrounding James Ellsworth. But I think in the long run, James Ellsworth did one year and was in main event storylines pretty much the entire time. Uh, a J
1: Styles, what three times?
0: A <laughs> J <AJ laughs> Styles, teamed with Dean Ambrose. I mean, this is a guy that utilized nothing and made something. So. I think the outpour was positive because they realized that this guy was basically living his dream every single.
1: Day. Yeah, he's them. He's he's what you know, a fan uh, who always dreamed of getting involved, and he's kind of like living that dream. You know, so um, I don't know, Dennis.
2: Uh, I'll say this: when his no compete is up in February, he's coming onto our podcast as a guest. We've already talked to him. He's uh, he he is not disappointed or sad. He's happy uh, about this. I can say that his bookings on the independent just went up uh, you know threefold of what he's asking for and i think he ends up back in the WWE for another short run in the future that's my guess based off what we've what i've had conversations with but we will have a more in in-depth conversation in february when he is free to take start doing bookings and start doing podcasts
1: yeah, I think it's too soon for him to be in this year's... You know, the next Royal Rumble, the 2018 Royal Rumble. But who knows? I'm sure he'll make surprise appearances here and there. Kind of like the boogeyman. Oh, yeah. um, okay, so real quick, uh, Drew McIntyre update. Uh, Triple H said that he may have suffered a torn bicep towards the end of the match. So it wasn't an injury coming in. So that wasn't the reason why he dropped the title. But uh, he, I think you can kind of see when when he got hurt. And so he's going to undergo an MRI tomorrow. And they're saying... You know, he'll likely undergo some surgery if, if the injury is uh, what they think it is. So, uh, you guys, do you guys know a torn bicep? Um, Wasn't that what Cena had, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think he had a torn bicep. He was back in, I think, nine weeks or something. Um, but I think if it's a partial torn, it's about three to six weeks. If it's a full tear, he could be out for almost half of a year. Uh, But, I mean, obviously, rehabilitation time. That's what John Cena had, I think, what, 2008,
1: I think it was? was. Yeah, wasn't he supposed to be out, like, five months and he came back in two or something like that?
0: Yeah, he came back at Royal Rumble to compete in that third third Royal Rumble and MSG. Um, If Drew McIntyre did suffer a full tear and he does require a few months on the shelf, I don't think that's the worst thing for him, especially if they have plans for him to debut on the main roster.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he just bypasses NXT completely then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Rusev had suffered one too. Um, in the past, a, a lot of guys have suffered it. So anyway, hopefully it's nothing, you know, it's not uh, going to keep him out for too long, but we'll keep our eye on it. Cause six months, uh, gosh, what, what is it? <laughs> I'm trying that's to do right after It's like May, right? May, yeah. So that's past WrestleMania. Yeah. Someone's saying six to 12 weeks. weeks. I guess that's not, if it's not a full
2: tear. Um, that, that raises an interesting question: Was is he was he originally supposed to drop the title, or in the middle of the match did he suffer the injury and they had to change everything on the fly? That's that's kind of an interesting question now.
1: I don't think so. I think it was like right at the very end. I mean, I think it was clear that it, it was uh, Andrade was supposed to go over, and and you know they finished the match. Yeah, they they usually don't you know will not call an audible very late like that. And yeah, I mean you saw it with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. So, um, yeah, so, uh, another big story breaking this weekend, uh, David Otunga and Jennifer Hudson, uh, they, together for 10 years, uh, had to have an eight-year-old son, uh, finally broke up and she filed a protective order against him. So, um, not good. yeah, it's not good. He was supposed to be doing the kickoff show uh, for the Survivor Series this Sunday, uh, pulled out, hasn't been released yet. Again, you know, uh, I think right now there's... There is a, um, you know, you got to you got to do the proven, you know, guilty until, uh, I mean, innocent pro- <laughs> until proven guilty, and you know he's denying it, so you know we got to let it let it play out.
0: They're gonna let him stay off TV for a while, though, and you saw this with guys like Adam Cole who had um, a domestic incident involvement, and they just cut ties. I mean, with Adam him. Rose. Well, uh,
1: yeah,
0: Adam, <laughs> Cole. Adam Rose. Yeah, that's it's exactly. Not right. Adam My apologies. Cole. No, 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 not Adam Cole. I know his girlfriend, but no. Um, yeah, Adam Rose, and, and they cut ties with him there. I'm um, back on WWE television till this gets cleared up, and it could take a few months. Um, I enjoyed Otunga um, on the pre-show. I think he does bring something to WWE's commentary team, not live commentary during Raw or SmackDown, but you know their their pre-show panel. It's a guy that could be expendable for WWE and cut ties with him. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him in 2018.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with that. Dennis, you got anything else?
2: No, nah, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I think he was just a member of the team. He didn't step up when he had the opportunity. He found a nice little place on the pre-show and just kind of hung out there. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if it's – if they find him valuable enough to keep, or if it's just easier to wash the hands, you know, wrestlers over the past 10 years have not done themselves any favors with the law or in the media at times. So I think this might be one of those, well, we're going to send a message to everybody else kind of moves and it won't hurt the company. That's all speculation, of course. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, real quick, me and Dennis kind of gave our Survivor Series predictions on Wednesday's podcast. Um, Josh, I would just get let's get a couple of the top matches real quick. Let's all three sure. go through them real quick. Um, Brock and AJ, who do you guys got?
0: I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar. Um, I don't think this is going to be a four- or five-minute match that we've seen Brock Lesnar do, um, but I think they make AJ Styles look extremely strong, but at the end of the day, it's going to be Brock Lesnar winning, um, especially since of the quick audible of taking out Jinder Mahal and inserting AJ Styles. They're not going to bury AJ Styles when people are going to, you know, maybe think, but I, when you look at Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles, it's just two completely different breeds right now. Styles is the best performer in the world, but Brock Lesnar is always going to be protected by WWE. And even though he loses a lot, uh, as we've seen, he's not afraid to put people over a la Goldberg when he came back. Um, I do think Goldberg uh, Brock Lesnar gets the victory here at Survivor
1: Series. I agree. Yeah, I think Brock wins, but I I think it's going to be under 10 minutes. Um, just, you know, with Braun Mojo, they didn't even go ten minutes. I, I don't see them protecting uh, AJ more than them, especially when AJ just lost cleanly to Baron Corbin, uh, just for, for for no reason. They beat him clean, and then Finn Balor as well. So uh, I, th- I think Brock wins that pretty clean. And then finally, Team Raw, Team SmackDown. They never really said that. You know, Stephanie said if you don't destroy Team SmackDown to Kurt Angle, that that you're fired. But they they, they never made it a stip that team raw wins. Uh, I mean, if team Smackdown wins, Kurt Angle's fired, although it's kind of been implied Um, guys, what's your prediction on that? And, and who ends up surviving on that team or or, or on the winning team?
2: I'll I'll jump in real quick and just say, I think Smackdown wins because triple H turns and uh, does something to Kurt Angle. I think it's no secret that the rumored match at WrestleMania is triple H and Kurt Angle. I, I just assume that this is going to be the setup and the starting putting that in motion where you know, Triple H doesn't have ties to one show or the other because he's the NXT guy. So I can see him saying, screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking out, you know, Kurt Angle at some point in this match and costing him.
1: I, I asked Triple H about, about that on the media conference call the other day, uh, just about Kurt Angle's in-ring return and, you know, about possibly facing him down the line. You, you can kind of tell that those wheels are in motion. Um, Josh,
0: yeah, I, I would think SmackDown wins. I'm not necessarily sure if uh triple H will help SmackDown win, um, for two reasons. One, obviously Stephanie McMahon is is tied to raw and that's his wife. And the fact that I still think that they like to play off of the shame and triple H being brother-in-laws, but triple H is kind of Vince's son controlling backstage. I think they still like doing that, you know, even though it's not really spoken as much on TV, um, and Kurt Angle down the road. I think something happens potentially where Kurt Angle may be eliminated early or may have a misstep so he is viewed as the weakest link. I think that's a smart idea to put them there because we're not sure if Kurt Angle can fight 15, 20 minutes as you saw at TLC. I mean, he did a couple of spots here and there, got hurt and and everything like that. So I think SmackDown gets the nod in my mind. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see if they let the young guys, and when I mean young, I mean the new guys on the roster and Shinsuke Nakamura and Bobby Roode. Uh, shine, or they really rely on Shane McMahon, John Cena, and Randy Orton carrying the load for that
1: guy. Yeah, Because you got to think Cena is going to get, you know, a, a couple eliminations, at least one. Uh, you got to think Triple H is probably getting one. Kurt Angle is probably getting one. Uh, Braun, you got to think. So it doesn't leave much room for, for the younger guys, but, but we'll see. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I just wish they had some, you know, like we were saying, doing it in a War Games cage or, you know, adding something to it because there's really nothing... Outside of the big star power um, that has you invested in the match itself,
2: I'll say this: I really wish they go back to the traditional kind of card where they had feel you know, four different teams, you know, four versus or five versus five, four different matches, and then the then the survivors of those matches went into the kind of uh, battle royal at the end of the night. If you've seen on some of the old school. Uh, survivor series they had the survivor battle royal and then have some well, it, it,
1: it was a final survivor series match yeah 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 they only did it once hulk hogan ultimate warrior against yes. uh, a bunch of guys
2: I, I really enjoyed when they did that and i really wish they could they could utilize that a little bit more
0: and they could even use that for some sort of a contendership down the road um with with brand splits you know have you know rob versus smackdown and then the final match getting an opportunity to compete for the championship kind of like you know an unadvertised tournament type of thing or something like the king of the ring where at the end of the night there's a prize for it it just gives you more interest in the entire card and not necessarily one or two matches
1: yeah or you have it where the winner of the royal Rumble competes for that title so if Raw wins, it's, you know, it, it, the winner of that would get a shot against, you know, whoever's the universal champion know mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Or you get the number 30 spot or, or you get a, you get first picks at, in the Royal Rumble match, you know, something where it ties into the rumble since that's the next big pay-per-view. Yeah. And that way you kind of have all the pay-per-views kind of tying in a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, but well, th- thank you guys. And, and thanks to everyone in the chat. You guys really active tonight. Um, Uh, we will be back. This is the first of three nights in a row that we'll be here. So tomorrow night, right after Survivor Series, Matt Morgan will be back. Uh, And then Monday night after Raw. So thank you. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you tomorrow night.